Nugent News on the air. Um, assuming I don't get a phone call. So I'm off Facebook, guys, because I keep get tripping an algorithm. And they put me in Facebook jail for like 90 days. So I'm like, well, what's the point, you know, of posting if nobody's going to be able to see it? So I looked into how this is happening because they are they will they will tell you what posts triggered your suspension. And one of them was a quote I there's a thing called as above so below. I don't know who does it or why or what. And it's always a quote from some famous person. And apparently the quotes aren't accurate. So somebody's fact checking that and then if you forward that you're accused of spreading false information. Well, you know, I'm not going to bother with that. So, uh, and then they nailed me for something that they, it was like a, a song, like a music video. And I forwarded that and they said that it was spam. So I'm like, well, you know what? If this is going to get to be some kind of a big fucking deal, pardon my French, then you forget about it. I, you know, all I ever do on Facebook is, I mean, there are occasions when I see an ad that's very well targeted, but now they're going to have trouble doing that anymore because they can't get the data from my iPhone. And, uh, you know, every once in a while I connect with somebody that I haven't seen in a long time and it results in something positive. Uh, but most of what happens on Facebook is like a toxic waste dump for human emotions. You know, people say you put your best self forward on LinkedIn because it's kind of like being at the office and your worst self forward on Facebook because it's kind of like, you know, going to a bar and arguing with somebody. So I'm pretty much off the platform and I think that has some implications. Their stock just tanked. And I think a lot of people are just, for various reasons, saying, you know what, I'm done here. Uh, uh, all I do is get myself in trouble. I just got hired by a woman named Karen Zupko, uh, who I worked with at AMA. Karen Zupko and Associates, by the way. And uh, she is, you know, pretty liberal. So if she had seen some of my stuff out on Facebook, I mean, she might not have hired me. So you're kind of, and she is on Facebook. So, you know, you're putting yourself at risk professionally if you're still working. You're wasting a lot of time. You're alienating people. Uh, you know, it's just not worth it anymore. So that bodes ill for the stock. And they've got Instagram, which is a lot less toxic, but I'm not... A, you know, basically it's people sharing videos and pictures. And so I'm not there. <clears throat> and that's leaves them with like the metaverse, which is this virtual world. I had a talk with my, uh, my staff today about that. And this guy's like, it's like being a drug addict. You're living in a make-believe world. Now I don't mind living in make-believe worlds cause I'm not so happy with the real one, but, um, you know, the money for that, any kind of monetization for that is way down the road. So uh, they're 
their cryptocurrency didn't work. So I think that Facebook, I'm bearish on, on Meta. Meta is now the symbol for Facebook uh, because they're shifting gears to the metaverse. I mean, everybody hates Facebook, you know? It's like everybody hates Raymond. So I think that's, you know, if I was going to play that with options, I would probably sell upside calls because uh, I think the volatility's there. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't know what the catalyst is to the upside here. So there's that. Now, on to politics, uh, you know, the Republican National Committee censured Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney because they are not happy with the January 6th insurrectionists. So the RNC, which is, you know, I know this from my old political days at AMA, is pretty much the Republican Party, right? And so... If they start uh, expelling Republicans, you know, they may end up being the catalyst that creates a third party. Because now Mitch McConnell spoke up, and he is, of course, the minority leader in the Senate. And he said, you know, you, the RNC should not be doing this. And now they, who knows, they may censure him. Well, if they keep censuring, you know, and, and it would be shocking for people to hear Mitch McConnell referred to as, you know, a centrist. But that's, I think, what he is. On the left, they think he's a till of the hunt. But the reality of it is, he's the sensible center these days. And so if they start censuring people like him and become, if the RNC becomes essentially, you know, a Trump tower then they may end up creating the sensible center third party that I want uh, themselves just by expelling people from their ranks. If you have to be a hardcore extremist to be in the Republican Party, then that's going to leave a lot of people homeless, like myself, politically. And that may be what ends up creating the third party, which I think we need to save the union. I saw a thing today about... There's a foundation or something, a nonprofit that is planning the 250th anniversary celebration of the United States. And I'm thinking, you know what? You should probably put that on hold because I don't know if we're going to last that long. You know, it's fallen apart because of infighting. The women think that there's not enough senior executives and they're all vice presidents. And some guy got a expense account approved that these women thought was unauthorized, and he's black. You know, so it's like the whole identity politics thing is making it very difficult for people to collaborate. So the four senior women in the organization are all resigned, and now their resignation letter has become public, and you've got the intersectional... Uh, diversity, bias issues. I mean, you know, can't anybody play baseball on this team? You know, I mean, this is getting to be a joke. I, now, I, I met with the young woman who I'm taking over for <clears throat> at Karen Zepko, and she was talking about how we got into a conversation about, you know, millennials and all this and that, and she's like, well, you know, 
you're still the most sought-after demographic because you're an older white male, boomer. And I'm like, really? All I ever see is ads for burial insurance and Medicare. And it was her perception that, see, my perception is that young women have all the advantages, particularly if they're of color and even more so if they're LBGDQ, right? But their perception is still that I've got it made. So everybody thinks they're a victim in this society now, including me. That's crazy. It's crazy for us all to think of ourselves as oppressed minorities. You know what I mean? And if you continue to evaluate people based on the color of their skin or what's between their legs versus the content of their character, it's great. It gets insane. I have no more in common with other white men than I do with anybody else, really. And as a class, I don't consider myself to be a class, but if you frame me as one, then I may start thinking of myself that way. So anyway, that was actually why I jumped on. Um, now, I've got some articles here that I'm going through the archives. So I'm going to walk through some of this. There's a very interesting article in Chicago Magazine, which I clipped out. It's about a guy who is a Vietnamese refugee. Burnett hired him, and he was a murderer. He killed somebody as a young person and went to jail and got out. And, you know, so he's a case of somebody who has been rehabilitated and now he left Burnett to start his own business, and he's trying to fix, he's from Chicago, and he's trying to fix what's broken, right? And uh, he's tied in with Emmett Till and Vietnam War, I mean, he's Vietnamese, and MLK's I Have a Dream speech, and uh, mentions Britain abolished the slave trade in 1833, you know, which was the, all these things happened on a certain day, August 28th. And so he had an event outside, and basically nobody showed up. But uh, this was for Chicago Peace Week, organized by his nonprofit, Chicago Peace. So that's an interesting thing, and that's why I clipped it out. But what's amazing about that story, so I may get in touch with him um, and try to, you know, I have to stay in Chicago now, which I'm not happy about because of this new job, which is now my anchor client. And so I have to fix the city of Chicago. My, I've taken this upon myself. I have all these, you know, huge burdens I have to bear. I have to save the climate. I have to save the planet. I'm working on that, uh, and I have to save the city of Chicago. The, these are heavy lifts, because to save the city, I have to save the state, and I have to save the county, and I have to save the country. Man, what a, what a list of things to do. So, you know, maybe I can work with that guy. Now... Energy Boosters for Dark Days. This is from Parade Magazine. And it's about you got to eat right, take a walk during sunny hours, which I don't do, consume fish such as salmon. I do do that. 
Look for vitamin D enhanced yogurt and eat a good breakfast. Eggs or cereal. I knocked off the cereal. I'm just eating apples because I'm too fat. Um, creative ways to get moving. Walk or run up and down a flight of steps for five minutes a day. That sounds like wrestling practice, which I hated. We used to run stairs. Hated it. Skip to the music. Jump rope for the duration of three of your favorite songs. I cannot jump rope, but maybe, maybe some of the listeners can. Power clean. Speed clean your house in ten minutes. I'm not going to do that. Do jumping jacks or run in place during commercial breaks while you're watching TV. Well, I just changed the channel, so that's not going to work for me. But I am keeping that because my energy level is so low. I mean, I barely have a pulse. And at the end of a day at work, I am so tired. I can't imagine people, I can't imagine anybody being as tired as I feel. So I may have to go to the doctor. I don't think that's right. Now, here's an article about Lori Lightfoot, who vive the Chicago teach the Chicago Teachers Union compared Lori Lightfoot to a Reagan Republican. That just goes how to show you how far left this city has gone. I mean, this city has drifted on the Continental Drift all the way to the Pacific Ocean. Lori Lightfoot accused of being like Ronald Reagan. Come on. So it's the theory of political relativity, right? When you're as far gone left as the Chicago Teachers Union, Lightfoot, it's like, I've been got down so goddamn long, it looks like up to me. I've been, I've been left so goddamn long, she looks like right to me. Um, according to an Ogden and Fry poll, 62% don't believe she deserves re-election. She looks in danger of the, becoming the first elected mayor in 40 years not to win a second term. And, of course, Jane Byrne was the first. I don't know why anybody would want this job, but people do. Um, Paul Vallis, who hasn't got a chance, as much as I'd like him to get it. Um, there's a Arnie Duncan who has a chance, but I don't think we'll ever have another, you know, white male mayor. And I don't really think we should. I mean, they're too vulnerable to racism charges. There's a black man, capital B, named Beale, B-E-A-L-E, who I don't, I've never heard of. And then there's a guy named Lopez, and I'm a Lopez guy here because I think what you need here is a Hispanic mayor. Because then it'll be, you know, Hispanic on black feuds and the the white vote can just kind of watch that. So why don't think people think that... She, and I've actually become more of a Lightfoot fan because, again, everything is relative. Um, you know, if the teachers think she's a Republican, okay. Uh, if a Reagan Republican is what I used to consider myself to be. Reagan wouldn't recognize his own damn party today. No more than Lincoln would. Um, the, 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 the things that have come out, the texts and stuff, I mean, the Tribune thinks they're trying to screw her with all this stuff. I think they're actually, in my mind, at least strengthening her. You know? Because she's not that left. 
I thought she was. And she says things to cater to that, but I don't think she really is. So you get an insight into her true self. But why do 60% of people think she's got to go? The year before she was elected, there were 547 homicides in Chicago. In 2021, there were 780, the most since the 1990s. Michigan Avenue was trashed and looted twice during the uh, civil unrest in the summer of 2020. Carjacking's up 43% in 2020. And uh, Matthew Podgorski, who conducted the Ogden and Fry poll, says one of the major issues she ran on was that she was going to take control of crime. 75% disapprove of how she's handling it. And WBGX radio host, I don't know what the station that is, Maisie Jackson, I suspect that's a black channel, the num- capital B. The number one thing has got to be violence in the city. When people saw downtown go up, that's where she lost the core of her base, the north side. Now the same people that elected Lori are the same people that can elect a law and order candidate. Thank God. And that would be Paul Vallis. Um, the Ogden and Fry poll shows her losing to Vallis and head-to-head, also losing to Duncan. Also losing to Raymond Lopez. And then Anthony Beal is an alderman who's been discussed as a, he's the capital B black candidate. And I voted for her because I figured she was the least corrupt compared to Preckwinkle. And what I found out is that there are worse things than corruption, which, uh, or one worse thing is incompetence. And I think she has been very incompetent. She does not get along with anybody else, including the state's attorney, including the uh, the Cook County prosecutor, including the governor. I mean, I can't think of anybody she does get along with. And she has the strongest support in the black community, but close to 50% of them don't want to see her reelected. And the reason for that, now Maisie must be capital B black, is the feeling that this is probably the last shot to have a black mayor because of the declining population. So the future of this city is probably Hispanics in power. And that may be okay. If you have to pick your new master, I would probably rather go with the Hispanic. And like I say, I am now a much longer-term resident of the city that used to work than I had planned on being. I was plotting my escape very actively. Now, on the housing side, um, there's the thing called ADU, which is a what? It's a single-family home, which is, like, priced (coughs) maybe 15, 20% less 
than a regular home. It's an offshoot of a... It's defined as an accessory to an existing loan. I'm trying to find the acronym. Oh, accessory dwelling unit. So I don't know. That may be something I want to look at. Because I'm hoping to sell this house by this summer. Certainly by the end of the year. I may have to wait to the next buying season, unfortunately. We're remodeling and rehabbing still. So, but we may be able to squat on Aster for a while. Once you get to be a renter, you have a lot of rights. So, but we're going to have to move someplace. And I think I'm going to have to stay, obviously, I'm going to try to stay close to the new job. So, I don't know. Got to be creative about these things. Now, there's a long article here about determining the value of an inherited property, which I'm going to save because I think we are going to inherit a property in North Carolina, but now it doesn't look like I could move down there. Okay, what's this all about? Science says two overlooked variables can be the keys to happiness. One is prioritize positivity and prioritize future happiness. So that's what you need to do. And I'm not really good at either one of those, frankly. So I may do a post in my newsletter about that. Now, the National Guard has been, and this goes back to December 26th, the National Guard has been called in to help in the public health crisis. So, you know, we've got, uh, National Guard gets deployed to do a lot of domestic things, but now they're being deployed for health care. Apparently, students are experiencing a mental health crisis, because of the pandemic, well, it's scary, you know. Life is scary. And it may be a mental health uh, pandemic, right? It is very tough for kids to complete their college education, apparently, remotely. So the Catholic schools, I give credit to, they've just said, hey, you know what, we're going to sin bravely and God will protect us. We're going to school. <clears throat> Whereas the the public schools are like, no, no, we might get sick. So I give credit to the Catholic schools. Okay, so that's that. I'm throwing away my paper now. There's a Dilbert cartoon that I'm not that I thought was funny at the time. You had to be there, which I just threw away. City leaders address a widening safety gap. Now this goes back to the, just the day after Christmas. So this stuff kind of piles up, folks. Review of the two years that coincide with the COVID nineteen pandemic reveals a dramatic uptick in both homicides and shootings across the city with a more than 60% increase in both categories that increased pressures on policymakers 
to find answers. And lately, you have seen some action. Now, we are going into election year, so there's like a tough-on-crime thing going into the elections, but that's okay. That's democracy, right? Uh, oh, and this is Sam Rico who organized this gathering. I think I covered this before. I actually wanted to reach out to him. So putting that back in the low-priority save-the-city things to do. Let's see. This is also from December. So I don't suppose... This isn't exactly news. <laughs> this is news analysis, right? Well, that's what we do here. If we do anything at all. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm doing here, but... We make it up as we go along. Okay, we got a resume reset. Probably irrelevant. Fortunately for most of you, you don't have to do this stuff anymore. So I'll probably put something out on the... Uh, new. I have a terrific writing agency company page on LinkedIn, so I do a newsletter on that. So feel free to subscribe to it. Um, I think if you go out on the company page, you can subscribe. So here's Marco Buscaglia, who's a good writer. Uh... Writing worth reading, as I say. Number one, play to reading habits. So make it scannable down uh, from most to least, and then across. Well, that's pretty basic. Emphasize your accomplishments instead of your functionality. Like, don't say that I used to climb mountains, say, I climbed Mount Everest. Fix your errors, no typos. I found a typo on my own resume the other day. I spelled writing wrong. <laughs> or no, I spelled writers wrong. That's that good when you're a writer. Uh, mix nouns and verbs. This is kind of basic, too. Be consistent. Keep every job listing in the same format. That's really basic. Hell, <clears throat> I'm thinking of getting into the resume writing business. I know one of our listeners asked me about a LinkedIn makeover, which I am available for. Uh, and I can now accept credit cards, so this is the commercial part of the... This is brought to you by Terrific Writing. Writing worth reading. For more information, call Terry Nugent. It's 708-334-8414. So, uh, I am in that business. I'm not, like, hyping it, but... I can do it. So if you need resume, review, LinkedIn profile, that kind of thing. I'll do it. <clears throat> but I'm debating whether to focus on it because it's not... I did one for an outsourced company and I missed a meeting with the with the woman I was working with on it. I was kind of co-pilot on it and she didn't send me a calendar invite so I forgot about it and... They were upset with me for doing that, so that was the end of that. But that's kind of okay, because they were paying like 80 bucks. And, I mean, I put in the better part of a day and a half on it. So that's not a good way to make a living. 
But anyway, those are pretty basic things. So I'll probably put an article on, on the newsletter on terrific writing. Now, here's a quote from Mel Brooks. When things stir up people to great emotion, I stay out of that. I don't ever take sides because everybody's right. I like that. But he will never stop defending the importance of laughing. If you laugh, you can get by. (laughs) (laughs) And then he says, writing is a lot easier than getting up on stage and singing and dancing. I'll tell you that. So... That may be newsletter or company post fodder. Okay, what's this now? Investors are bidding on homes to rent out. And uh, particularly multi-unit in Chicago, but also single family. Then there's an article about reverse mortgage, which I may look into. Um... But it comes at a fairly steep price, just in case anybody's thinking of doing that. You know, Tom Selleck aside, Tom's always on telling me how. But he, his company just got nailed for some kind of deceptive advertising rap. I'm going to go the whole hour here until... I'm out of papers. So. It's an article on success. This is from the January 2 trib. But it's evergreen. Uh, Do you always feel stressed? Blame that. Blame your threat brain. Uh, According to psychologist. Boy, this woman must have stress just from spelling her name. Her name is Nalisha. Wick Rem uh, Singh. <laughs> I don't know. Let me, I'm going to spell it. W-I-C-K-R-E-M-A-S-I-N-G-H-E. How the hell would you pronounce that? I think she she's a fellow at uh, Oxford. So, Nilisha Wick saying it sounds like a Monty Python name. So, anyway, the threat brain is how she characterizes or refers to our early reptilian brain, the emotional brain. Uh, well, evidently, when you start talking about the reptilian brain, everyone thinks they know what that is, but the emotional brain is much more complex. Okay. There are three interconnected neurological systems. Threat brain is our fight or flight. Drive brain is what motivates us to achieve. Now that's, I got to get my drive brain (laughs) rehabbed. Safe brain is the nurturing reflective rest state. Now that I'm really good at. I mean, some people will say to me, I'll tell them what's going on and I'm like, How do you sleep at night? And I'm like, you know what? That's my superpower. Threat brain is still the most easily activated. Um, And it's pretty much at the core of our being. Right now, everybody has had an experience of that side coming to life. And many of us have fallen into toxic dry brain ways of working. 
which is driven by our threat brain. Uh, fluttering signs of the threat brain are fluttering stomach, tense muscles, raised heartbeat. You may not realize it's in gear because toxic dry brain has become normal. Wow. I wonder if this is really true, but my mantra is it's not your fault, but it may be your problem. Yeah, there you go. Pretty much all our problems stem from an overactive threat brain. Well, there you go. So the idea is getting control of that, and I rewrote the subhead to regain brain control. So maintain an even brain strain. That's even better. That's a right stuff reference. I'm writing that down, folks. This is how the creative process works. <clears throat> maintain an even brain strain. You know, it's like the rain in Spain falls main. The on the plane from my fair lady or Pygmalion. So how do you do it? Two actions. First, pay attention to the way you talk to yourself. Surprisingly, people aren't away of that self-talk narrative in their head. Oh, I am. And it's not positive. You'll find the words you say to yourself are compounding the threat. And once you recognize the problem, you can address it. And talk to yourself as if you're a friend, not a hateful enemy. <laughs> well, that would be novel. I mean, what Catholic can do this, you know? That voice in your head, conscience is the voice of God. And God is not pleased with you. That's how we were taught. Um, physicals. Breath work, and I can't do that breath thing. I tried as deep breathing, all that rhythmic breathing. I am just not good at that. So how do you get in the safe brain? You have to manage your focus and concentration. So when you get flow, right? And you want to move to healthy drive goals. Well, I'm gonna keep that. That may be an article actually for me in the Nugent, the terrific writing news. Now, here's Kevin Donnelly. Get to know me. Remember John Lovett's voice? He canceled. I paid 10 bucks to see him, and he dropped more N-bombs than, like, a, f a fleet of the Confederate Air Force B-52s. Just because Michael, what's his name, from, uh, from Seinfeld had just, like, destroyed himself by dropping N-bombs as a comedian. And so Lovett's was like, you know, when you tell me not to say a word, I'm just going to keep saying it. And he repeated it like a hundred times, and the audience didn't know what to do. It was out in Schaumburg. I think they wanted to run out of the place. So this here is from AARP, the magazine. This this here, look at here. Um, I, I, speak, I speak about it. Get to know me, Kevin Donnellan. Good Irishman who's got a great job. <laughs> Executive vice president and chief of staff to the CEO. Imagine what he does all day. Probably nothing. And he says, what are the... And I, I'd be so good at that job. 
What are the most challenging battles your team encounters? The fight against age discrimination. Here, here. Despite laws that make it illegal, it still exists for far too many people. I like to think that's what's between me and a job like his, but it didn't seem to stop him. But consider the employer. Uh, let's see. And his nightstand, a book called Facts and Fears by James R. Clapper. I think that's what I highlighted here. Also from the same source, Prescription Savings. Uh, you can get an RX discount from AARP, provided by Optum. I have to look into that. We're in a pre... At the beginning of every year, you get into this... Uh, deductible situation with insurance. So I'm getting hammered on Anya's stuff. I don't know that I have that problem because I think all my prescriptions are generics. So like I'll pay 22 cents and she has to pay $1,000 for a prescription. It's so wacky. Now, here's an article from Chicago Magazine, which I have no idea why I clipped out. Oh, by the way, if you want a dog, and you probably don't, but if you do, chihuahuas live up to 30 years. Whereas my Maltese only lasted 11. So, now here's an investment idea for those of you who are set uh this is from the week, November 19th of last year. Inflation bonds. The government is giving out 7% interest on Series 1 savings bonds. Awesome. They're I-bonds. I mean, you can live on that. You can buy them for $10,000. You can... You have an annual limit of ten grand off the Treasury website, and you can also, if you get a tax refund, you can buy another five grand. That's a good deal. So I think that's something we're going to put out on social. Now you can buy forty six East. Cedar uh, for two three million dollars. It's where Potter Palmer used to live, as in the Palmer House. We're not going to go there. Okay, throw that one away. Now there are algorithmic home sales going on. Uh, there's an outfit named Open Door, and I think they're pretty much buying them sight unseen. Now, one of my listeners in particular will be interested in this. 
as soon as I figure out a first name here. Tomasz Piskorski is quoted in this article. A real estate finance professor at Columbia. Now, there aren't many Piskorskis out there. At least I don't. I haven't come across that many, so who knows? Any relation? But I might try to sell my house algorithmically. I don't know. So this artificial intelligence ain't as smart as the <laughs> it, it's cracked up to be, so maybe I can unload my house on it. Now we have a book chosen. That there's a feature in the Week magazine called The Book List whereby they pick a uh, an author. And this is an author of 20 books, John McWhorter, who appears to be a, certainly a person of color. Oh, he's Polynesian, I suppose. I don't know what he is. But you're getting to the point where there's so much intermarriage now that it's going to be very tough to figure out who... Who fits into uh, what racial category? And I think that's great, by the way. So he has a list of uh, books that he likes. One of them is The Coddling of the American Mind, co-authored by Greg Lukanoff and Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T, not H-A-T-E. This was written in 2018. Says McWhorter, the authors keenly anticipated today's debates over wokeness, noting that contemporary educational orthodoxy teaches kids three basic tenets. What doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Always trust your feelings. And life is a battle between good people and bad people. Progressive opinions will differ. Now, we were taught that life is a battle between good people and bad people. But... Uh, in the Christian sense, between good and evil. Uh, today, uh, it's cast along different lines, but still very Manichaean, meaning the battle between good and evil. Now, there's one other book that he... Anyway, I'm going to skip that. I like that, but I don't know what to, I could do with that. So, it gets into the circular file, which here is actually a rectangular file because of the shape of my garbage can. Now, here's an interview from AARP about Matthew McConaughey, who's a great actor. He was in uh, Interstellar. Real good. Uh, now, he is... All full of himself. He's in search of deeper truths. And he calls his current phase his reconnaissance, as in McConaughey. Right? Now, McConaughey, hey, hey, like cut a hay. Um. He has anointed himself the Minister of Culture for Austin, Texas, where he lives. He did a memoir called Green Lights, a quirky playbook of the green lights that allowed him to move forward. 
he embraced the philosophy of just keep living. And he was thinking about running for governor of taxes, but I think he has since decided not to. He's interested in finding people's common denominators, which I think is a good idea. Coming together is the radical move now. That's the dare, and we have the ability to do it. I agree. Um, How to just keep living. Facts only go from the neck up. Storytelling is the best way to communicate. If you dramatize the facts, we listen and remember more. If you weave the facts into a personal story, a parable, and make associations, they become like music. I believe that. I'm not good at it, but I believe it. I just knew I wanted to be part of a story. I learned to find the rhythm of a story and trust the pauses to find the music of a good story. I had more things to get angry about, laugh about, more had more joy about and be sad about. The ceilings and basements had more depth and height to them. He wanted to get out of the romantic comedy go-to guy business. And everybody was like, little brother, what's what's your major malfunction? <laughs> but he succeeded in getting out of the uh, rom-com stereotype and did some great movies, you know. Got a Lincoln endorsement deal. And he says, John Mellencamp's Pink Houses is about how it ought to be. It's a love story about America and its potential. I see America like I see individuals. Whether we know it or not, we're trying to chase our better selves, our truer selves, our more transcendent selves. He's a good good guy for my third party, my sensible center party. So... We'll put him on the recruitment list. Now, here's the thing about inflammation. Researchers say the cure for everything is to cure inflammation. It's critical to nearly every uh, disease of aging. If you reduce it, and you can lead a happier, healthier, longer life. So there's an anti-inflammatory drug. The generic name is, I don't know how to pronounce this either, Canakinumab, C-A-N-A-K-I-N-U-M-A-B, which reduced lung cancer mortality more than 77%. Too bad my friend Kelly didn't benefit from that, if it's true. Shit, this came out in November 2019. He was still living then. So this has been around for a while. I wanted to talk to my doc about this, and I never did. So it's a long article about uh, anti-inflammatories. So, but my friend Tom Kelly is gone, succumbed to lung cancer. So we'll put that back in our low priority stuff, self-care. Now, there's an article, again, in the Tribune, August 15th of 21. This is, this is old, but this is good material, again, for my news newsletter. Uh, hackneyed words and phrases. Replace these tired words and phrases. This is about your resume, again. So some of the uh, hackneyed words and phrases are ambitious, 
team player, hard worker, seasoned, meaning old, and go-getter, highly, don't use the word highly, like motivated. Some of this stuff. Okay. Responsible. Don't use think outside the box. There is no box. Don't use synergy. So, you know, time makes ancient good uncouth, as my old boss used to say, quoting a poem. Quoting the poet, whose name I don't recall. Okay, here's the thing about... This is from 21, too. I'm going to use these for newsletter articles. It's about moods at work. What triggers people? Fairness, inability to achieve goals, interpersonal conflict. Those are the three triggers. And then it tells you what to do about those. So those are good things to write about, I think. Now, there's two books out about student debt. Uh, the problem, really, is that many degrees have negative ROI. So the smart thing to do would be for the feds or whoever only... I read a thing today about a kid who majored in acting... $120,000 debt. And he's like, how can it be that I pay 1000 a month and I don't pay down the balance? And I wrote on, this was on Twitter, I said, well, you should have majored in finance, stupid. <laughs> I didn't say it that harshly. But that's how it is. That's how it is with a mortgage. It's all interest up front. So, but, you know, why spend $120,000 on a degree in acting? I mean, come on. And nobody should lend him, lend him money to do that because he's not going to be able to pay it back. And degrees like that ought to be probably either, you know, just give them free tuition or just don't fund it because that's ridiculous. If you're going to major in engineering or, or math or science or uh, technology, okay, I'll lend you money on that. The banks used to do the loans, right? And they would underwrite the loan, and they would get a cosign if the kid was going to be a, you know, poet. Nobody's going to... So when you take the price signal out of lending the market for money, that's what you end up with. You're not doing these kids any favor. So, and that will teach them not to pick stupid majors. Now, if you're rich and you want to pay that out of pocket, okay. If you want to be an actor without getting a degree, okay. If you want to uh, get mommy and daddy to co-sign on it, okay. But it is insanity to saddle these kids with loans on a degree that's not going to pay them anything. So you got to have some accreditation of the institution. You've got to have, like if you majored in med tech or you majored in business, okay. You know, it's not that hard to figure out what's going to be a money degree and what's not. So if you want to major in social work, you know, you're not going to make any money. You make some money, but 
So that's like, uh, it's the educational market is just like healthcare. If you got third party payment, which effectively you do with student loans, then the price just keeps going up because there's no price sensitivity. Let the market decide these things and everything will be much less distorted than it is today because the government is stupid. The government is emotional. The government responds to politics, which is driven by emotion and not reason. So, money loves money. So if it's got a dollar sign in front of it, there's no place for sentiment. Now here's online security, and I only have one page. <laughs> there were evidently five steps. I only have two. Create a system for recording passwords, which I have tried many times and failed. I even hired a guy to keep track of my passwords, and he can't keep track of them. I don't know what to do. Uh, Two-step verification, though, I do know is great, you know. You go on, they send a code to your phone, and unless some guy stole your phone, that's protected. So that is a great idea. Absolutely. Um, by the way, there is a National Museum of the Army. I see a little ad here. www.armyhistory.org. So I may check that out. Because I'm a military. I think in a past life I was in the military. Like Patton. Not in this life. That's for sure. But I have a Norman heritage. You know, every Norman wanted to die in battle. So here's an article that goes back all the way to September 26th of last year. Um, I may have covered this already. You know, the school system in the urban problem areas may be reconfigured as a community youth support center uh, or even a boarding school. You know, some of these kids would be a lot better off being at a boarding school where they could kind of circuit break it, you know. Uh, but Clarence Page says, first of all, you got to have hope. And Arnie Duncan, apparently, this article is mostly about Arnie Duncan. But that goes in my Saving Chicago file. It's going to be hard. Um, let's see. What to do if there's a disaster. Well, it's a little late for that. I've already lived through that. This is back from September 12th. It's how to negotiate with the insurance companies. We've done pretty well on that. Now, here's another article. This is the success section of the trib. Don't let goal setting get in the way of happiness. And quotes George Orwell. It would seem <clears throat> that human beings are not able to describe nor perhaps to imagine happiness except in terms of contrast. 
That's from an essay, Can Socialists Be Happy? A release from anxiety arises when you focus on the present rather than either the past or the future, so stay in the moment. Proximate planning or goal setting can be very helpful. Anxiety arises when the future becomes constantly contrasted with the present and we live our lives primarily aimed at a future that may never come to be. Our identities then become expressed in terms of that future rather than centering on who we are in the present. It's easy to drift from setting goals to becoming the goals one sets or goals that are set by others. And a life hitching your identity to that end game means you tend not to recognize the interesting moves and passages that might lead to more enjoyable end games, many of which were unimaginable when starting along the path. Well, that's a pretty twisted sentence. Anyway, that's from J.W. Trahagen at UT Austin. His latest book is Embracing Uncertainty. Future Jazz, that 13th century Buddhist monk and the invention of culture. You can follow him on Twitter, which I may do, at John Traphagen. Why not? Now, when retirees should amend a tax return... There are some time limits and special forms... The deadline is three years after filing your original return or two years after paying any tax due, whichever's later. Hmm. Put that in the tax file. 61% of Americans would take a pay cut to keep working remotely. 85% say they prefer to apply for jobs that offer fully remote or hybrid work options. I'm hoping that they drag everybody back to the office because that'll help the value of my house. And I actually would rather work in an office than work from home. I just have an incredibly hard time. And I'm not surprised. I always thought I wouldn't be able to do it. And sure enough, it's very hard for me to keep my head in the game and avoid distractions, which are multitudinous, including this podcast. You know, here's an hour I'll never get back. But... My public demands it, even as small as it is. So we're going to follow John. Now, there's a field guide to financial advisors in, I think this is AARP, yeah, which is a good magazine for those of you who haven't joined yet. You can check with FINRA uh, on the tax side. Enrolled agents is a credential to look for, and CPA is a credential to look for. There's a certified daily money manager that you can find. And again, FINRA. Certified financial planner is CFP. Personal financial specialist, PFS. Chartered financial consultant, CHFC. Chartered Life Underwriter, CLU. Accredited Estate Planner, AEP. So there's all sorts of credentials here, right? And we're getting to the end here. So I think that's going to be about it. Um, So live long, prosper, and 
We'll be back again with more from the archives. Bye-bye.